Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans. Presented by Fort Comfort Gutters. Now here's your host with the latest on the Burgundy and Blue, Mike Evans. Hey everybody, welcome into the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I'm Mike Evans along with my radio partner for the week, Matt Smith, who is filling in for Mark Schlereth. So we'll be talking about everything during the week on radio, but right now we get to get into our sweet spot, hockey, the avalanche. Great to have you here. Let's chop it up and just start kind of with the overall view of this team as we're about halfway through the season. About halfway. I mean, the Bruins game, Monday night, that is officially game 41, halfway through the season. Overall vibes, you know me with this team. I hold this team to a high standard. And I told you that at the beginning of the year, this would be a team, Mike, that I'm going to hold to the standard that I held when they won the Cup. This is a team that is good enough to, to earn that, right? You don't hold a team that, okay, well, maybe this is the year, cross your fingers, that they can win something. No, this is, the te- this is a team that is capable of much more than we saw last season. And unfortunately, as the beginning of this year has played along, they haven't been as injured, but certainly I think results-wise and overall vibe, I know they moved some pieces in and out, but it feels all too similar to me of the team that we saw last year. So at this stage, and I told you at the beginning of the year on this very podcast that about 40 games through, I'd be able to judge where they're at. And it feels just so similar to me. It feels like a top-heavy team that's primarily dominated by Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, Val Nachushkin, Kale McCarr. By the way, Val Nachushkin, how about, how about Val? We talked about at the beginning of the year, the one way for Val to make it up for to his teammates, make it up to the fan base, is not by just playing hard every night. Staying healthy is a big part of it. But it's also production. You got to produce. Guy's got 20 goals. In fact, I just read the other day that the Avs are the first team, I think since the 94-95 Penguins, to have three 20-goal scorers through the first 40 games, which is really impressive. However, it's the lack of contributions from everybody else that is holding this team back, in my opinion, Mike, from their ultimate goals. But I sit here just about at the halfway point, unfortunately in the position that I thought we might be when the season started, and we're here, and it feels like deja vu to me. Well, it. I'm first of all, I'm glad that you're you're talking about this this team, how they should be judged, and it's through a Stanley Cup lens because I've heard a lot of, well, look at their record and it's on pace with what they were a year ago or two years ago or three years ago. Look, the, the, the goal here is not to finish with the best record in their division or the best record in the Western conference or the best record in, in all of the NHL. I don't, I don't view this team through the regular season record. I'm not, I'm not interested in what they're, their point total is because I know that they're good enough to just rack up points. That that's not an issue for me. The the question is, I'm always looking at them through the the lens of do I feel like this is a team that can lift Lord Stanley's Cup? Exactly. That's all I'm interested in. Right. I don't care about that other stuff. So from that standpoint, and the beauty, and maybe the curse, <laughs> if you're if you're Joe Sackick and Chris McFarland is that we know what a Stanley Cup winning team looks like. Yeah. Very fresh in our memory. And I'm with you. I don't feel right now that I'm looking at a Stanley Cup winning team because I look at that team that won a couple of years ago, and you know me. I've been I've been banging this drum for the last couple of years. 
the the number one thing they have to do is they have to find a second line center to replace Nazem Kadri. They've never done it. This year, it's Ryan Johansson, and I'm sorry, that is that's just not working. Mm. So now I guess the question is, we'll start there. What do you do? I don't know what they can do. I mean, you remember I was probably the loudest voice in this town when that move went down saying, hey, guys, really don't like this move. I took a lot of heat for it. I got the receipts. You know who you are. But I'll just say it is it is so evidently clear it's not working out because outside of the faceoff circle, outside of what he can provide you in the offensive zone, he cheats the game. He's too slow at five on five, Mike. It's an abomination. He's now at the stage where he's been downgraded to third line center most nights. Mm-hmm. He's playing like 13 minutes a night or he even had one game where he was the fourth line center so they could try Miko back at Tuesday. It, it has been a failed experiment. And the problem is is it's not just this year you're into Johansson. He's under contract. You got Nashville to retain half of it, but to really make any sort of move, they got to find a way to clear him out. And to clear him out, they're going to have to attach a draft pick to him, which they don't have. So now now you're talking about spending assets to clear previous mistakes, assets that you don't have in the first place to actually go make those moves? All right, well, now you're a team that is that is way behind the eight ball, which is why, and... This is unpopular among Avs fans, but if I put my GM hat on and I'm evaluating this through Chris McFarland's lens, am I looking at a team that, first of all, not only is second-line center their only hole. They've got other holes yep. on this team. Yeah, we're just starting Right, there. that, that yeah. is, that is yeah. literally where we're starting because you also haven't replaced Gabriel Landeskog. Correct. So, look, <clears throat> Elias Lindholm is the popular name That's out of Calgary. That's where I wanted to go. Right. What do you think? That's the popular name out of Calgary. He's not enough. He's not enough. He, his best year was with Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau on his line. You go look at his numbers ever since they left, not very good. So I, if you're expecting him to come in here and be like, ah, oh, we've regained 2022 form and this is, you know, cadre all over again. And now we got two lines that are buzzing. Look, maybe they, they start producing more consistently. You can move Johansson, you know, permanently down to the third line. But it's still not enough, Mike, because you need more pop. And so this is what I'll say. You don't have a lot of assets in the first place. To get a Lindholm, you're going to have to give up probably the rest of the good stuff that you have that other teams would covet at this at this stage. So let's say you do that. Well, Lindholm's an expiring contract. That's a rental. I heard he's talking about extension about $9 million. $9 million? Please. The Avs can't offer him that. They're into Gabriel Landeskog for $7 million. I think he's got five more years left. Mm-hmm. So uh, until that situation is... Once and for all resolved, Mike, they're kind of in jail. And, and last year, do you remember how pissed off I was last year that they didn't put them on LTIR right away and they didn't utilize that? I was also screaming at the deadline, Eller's a bad move. And everybody said, well, come on, give them the... I was like, no, it's a bad move. And unfortunately, now you're in a situation, you, you, you made some really bad moves in the offseason, Johansson, Tatar, I like Miles Wood. I think Miles Wood has been a great addition to this team. Ross Colton's been solid. I wouldn't say he's been great, but I love that move. You know, the, the way they gave up almost nothing for Colton because mm-hmm. Tampa just had to get rid of him. They couldn't afford him. I like that move. But outside of that, man, I, I know you got a lot of returners, but still you're just not getting the you're not getting the production. And they, they haven't been great fits overall. Maybe that changes the back half of the year. But one thing I've been talking about lately is, and I said this. 
on social media the other day to Scrappy Will. I said, you know, he, he's posting, well, the Avs are in first place. Oh, look. And I said, well, looks can be deceiving. Yeah. Up until two days ago, they had the second toughest remaining strength of schedule left in the NHL this season. You got a lot of games against much better teams. You got to bring it. And if it's just McKinnon driving offense every single night, they haven't been able to do it. Mike, when he's not playing Mach 10 with his hair on fire, they just don't generate offense, and that's a significant issue. It, right it's now. a it's a huge nod to to their core and how great their core is, and the standard to which they hold themselves to. That they are bringing it on on almost a nightly basis, playing at an exceptionally high level, and really carrying this team. The problem is, is that if they have an off night, who's picking up the slack? Right. And this is this is an issue that now is into its second year. The second line center is the, the 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 most pressing need, but there is the whole idea of the supporting cast. Last year they went with a supporting cast that they acknowledged this year didn't work with the way that they completely moved out guys and brought in new guys. So I, I think we're still at this point, at least I am right now, looking at this team going, I don't worry about the core guys. I don't worry about their top guys. I just don't know as we sit here right now if they have enough of a supporting cast to be able to go out and win a Stanley Cup over the yeah. long grind. Now, the other issue that's become an issue, mm. goaltending. Georgiev mm. has not been good this year, and I think Jared Bednar has been you know pretty blunt and candid with some very not-so-thinly-veiled references that the, that the goaltending it hasn't been good enough. And it's not like they they really totally trust the the backup situation either. So what do you do? We we know they they can win a Stanley Cup with subpar goaltending. I mean, they really did. They really kind of talk about bucking the odds. They won a Stanley Cup a couple of years ago with subpar goaltending. But that's that's not a formula I want to try to copy again. So what do you do? <laughs> You might not want to try to copy it again, but the fact of the matter is, while Gurgiev certainly hasn't been playing at the level that he showed last year, and, and you're not going to get any argument out of me, a large portion of the grade-A chances that he's seeing is because the play in front of him has just not been very good. So until they can clean up some of the defensive mistakes, you're going to see a lot of grade-A chances. Now, I love that you brought up the recipe that they used a few years ago to win. You just needed average goaltending because you were so damn good in front of them that it didn't really matter what was behind you as long as you had a guy that could, you know, save the ones he was supposed to and you would get enough punch out of your lineup. That's not the case right now. And the, the part that's really crippling them is that they're making so many mistakes in their own end that it's hanging those guys out to dry. So Georgiev has the most wins in the NHL this season, but a sub-90 save percentage. That is backwards. You don't see that very often. That doesn't happen. And obviously, without Pavel Francouz, you had to move on. So you're kind of kicking the tires on Prozvitov. But why isn't the play in front of Georgiev better? It's, it's, it's mostly the same guys. Yeah, a little different. Kadri and Landeskog are two of the best defensive forwards in the NHL. You, you have a situation where you're not back-checking Okay. nearly at, at at the rate that you were over that cup run year. And as a result, your D are, are just put it in way more pressure situation. Now, that's part of it. The other part of it is they're just not playing all that great and, and tight together. And I think part of it is because guys in that locker room know that we just don't have the pieces. And after having gone through the fire 
you know, the fiery crucible of year in and year out and getting bounced by Vegas and, you know, heartbreaking fashion to Dallas and San Jose. Those guys had all been through the fire together and knew what it took. And so now they're looking around the locker room and going, well, he's not pulling his end of the bargain. He's not holding his weight. You know what I mean? So I think there's some of that where Devontae's step right forward. And he straight up called them out. out. And he's a quiet guy. Yeah. So when he talks, you listen. Yeah. And when he says, look, we got 14 guys pulling in one direction and six guys pulling in another direction, he can start naming names if he wanted to. And chances are the other 14, the other 13 in that locker room know who those six are. So who do you think they are? You want me to name names? Uh, Ryan Johansson is one. Ross Colton, I believe, is another. Bo Byram, I believe, is another. I love Bo, but just not a great year from Bo. Uh, Gerard is up there as well. Uh, Rantanen has been good this year, but I don't think he started really hot. He's kind of fizzled a little bit. I don't know necessarily that that's who Taser's talking about there. Cogliano, maybe? I mean, you don't expect a ton of production from him, but... He's you know, he's throwing the McDermott's in there as well. He didn't play enough. Too low, yeah, too enough. low, too yeah. low on the food chain, right? Yeah, he didn't play yeah. enough. Josh Manson, I think at the beginning of the year we could have talked about. So okay. just a lot of guys, but yeah, it goes back to 82 game season. It is a grind. It is a grind. So to get through it, you got to have full inspired belief in that locker room, especially if you got a group of guys primarily who have already done it before. Because if I got a group of guys in that locker room I don't believe in, I'll go out, I'll give you hundred percent right. every night. But in the back of my mind, some things start to creep in and go, eh, well, you know. Wow. But if but if a guy like if a guy like Rantanen or or a, a Manson, some of the guys that a Cogliano, if if Taves is thinking about those guys, well, th- then I gotta push back a little bit, yeah, on Taves then because hey, these these guys I think have earned the right to pick their moments during the course of a long 82 game season where they may coast a little bit. I because they've proven that when it matters they'll be there. I my issue is with the guys well that here's, yeah. Here, here's the problem. That here's, haven't been here. Here's the problem. They have earned that right, but they don't have the team to support that right. Does that make sense? They have earned that right, but even if they've earned that right, it doesn't really matter cuz they're not getting enough from the guys around them. Mm-hmm. So those guys are just being asked to do more and be, you know, be the be all end all. That's unfortunately not how you win a championship in hockey. We all watched it. I mean, how many nights in the playoffs were Cogliano, Helm, and O'Connor their best line? I mean, that fourth line was their best yeah. line in like four or five playoff games that year. It was impressive. And they also had a second line that contributed. So, it, it, and that Florida game the other day, the Florida game, right? They go down 3 nothing first eight minutes. They didn't show up. Well, this is year two of waiting for another team to bring you a game before you decide to show up. The cup run year, they didn't wait. Yeah. They brought you a game every right. night. They came out with that intent. There was a hunger. And, you know, Zach always talks about, well, there's only one version of being starving. I think the proof is in the pudding here these last two years of, okay, well, if if the conditions aren't perfect, if we don't have all the pieces, we're dealing with these injuries, it is hard to gear it up and strap it on for 82 of these things. And then in the playoffs, well, you lose Nachushkin. Ah, well, you know. So I'm in a position right now where I am advocating Joe Sackick and Chris McFarland. You get a free pass from me at the deadline. For me, you get a free pass. Because if you were to make that move for Lindholm, fire the, the remaining bullets that you have in the chamber. 
Okay. Well, what moves do you, what pieces do you have to make moves this offseason? Because this offseason is when the Landeskog discussion comes up. I'm going to go ahead and assume he's not going to be back for playoffs. Guy hasn't even started skating yet. Okay. I'm just going to safely assume, considering we've never seen an NHL player come back from this injury, that he's not going to be back. There this is year. time still, but you're you're right. We're getting to the point, as you said. I'm just going to assume we're only at the halfway point. This is my assumption. You're right. That's it. I. I don't think he's coming back either. I believe in Landy. I love Landy. Would right. I love to see him out there? Absolutely. I'm just assuming because there's no precedent that he's probably not going to pull it off this year. So for the Avs in the front office, they got to know this summer that come game one of next season, is is our captain going to be on the ice? And unfortunately, unfortunately, if he's not, if it's time to turn the page, they got to rip the Band-Aid off. And I hate to say it because of who he is and what he's meant to that franchise, the, you know, the last few seasons. We do have to remember, though, when they signed him to that contract, there were a fair share of critics that said, well, are you sure you want to give mm -hmm. him, you know, seven by seven? And he, he proved over that cup run year, that was his best individual year. Had he not gotten hurt and at the deadline and then, you know, held out at the end of the regular season, he might have finished as their leading goal scorer. So what, what, are you, what, are you, what, My, what am I, what am where I telling you? going at with next year? What I'm telling you is you have to figure out what's going on. So you either move on from Gabe this summer or he's back and you move forward with that I mean, that move plan. on from him. Move on move from on. him. Move on. I mean, it, that is it for Gabriel Landis. Buy him out? Oh, yeah. Done. But here's why. Here's why. You want free agents? You want Elias Lindholm for more than this year? Well, you're going to have to pay him seven years, nine million. They can't do that in a hard cap sport. They can't. There's, there's no breathing room. And not only that, but if you were to bring in a Lindholm and Landeskog were to come back in the regular season, well, now you got to have seven more million that, right. that needs to be cleared up. So the numbers just don't work, and the assets that they have in their pool ready to deal, are, it's just not a vast so, enough uh, resource. So are, are, you, are you saying then that whatever they're going to do this year, whatever they're going to have to try to fix, it's going to have to come from within? Oh, yeah. And I'm saying that you kind of punt at the deadline. Because if you over-leverage yourself, you run the risk of ruining your window completely. I think Landis Gog's injury shut their championship window to a degree because you have to fight through that. You had two years, basically, where you're, you're kind of playing with one hand tied behind your back. But now you're in a situation where, okay, so you just said, goalie, what are you going to do there at goalie, mm -hmm. right? We talked about second-line center. Well, defensive depth, I think they're solid there, so I don't think they'd make a move. What about the other forwards? They still got to replace Kadri and Landeskog. Now you got Johansson. There are so many moving pieces. You've cluttered it up here. You got Johansson and Gerard and Landeskog. $16 million of your salary is, is allocated to those guys. Landy's off the books, but you have $9 million that you would technically have to clear from underperforming players, which they're not going to move on from Sam. This is just in my head. But you have to understand that there's no wiggle room. There's no flexibility. There's no assets here. So you could run the risk if you if you make do something irrational right now, do something desperate because you just are trying to salvage a season. And I think in a month, this season could look different with their schedule, by the way. But if you do something desperate right now, you run the risk of really jeopardizing this for the next three to four years. And you've got a you, you've got a limited window here for for McKinnon's prime, for Rantanen's prime, and you gotta set this team up for the best chance at sustained success. And I think being desperate at the deadline this year, and this is coming from me, who pounded the table on their cup run year to go all in. Pounded it. I was the only one. This is the year. All the pieces, they, they can do it this year. 
I told you last year they should have done it too. Yeah. Last year they should have done it too because they still had enough last year the way the rest of the league was worked. Well, this year they don't have it. So from from within then, the guys that they have that you that you look at that you feel that you still hold out hope have another gear. Okay, you mentioned that you, you like what Miles Wood has brought so far. Uh, Ross Colton, uh, you know, get Bo Byram back to where he was playing a, a, at a couple of years ago. Do you see if the if there isn't help coming at the form of uh, you know trades at the trade deadline? If it's gonna have to happen within, and right now you look at it and you just kind of feel like I feel like I just don't think that the supporting cast is good enough. Who do you, who would you point to and say, yeah, but there's still time for them to change your mind and make you feel like, okay, they do have enough pieces. Who who are those two or three guys that you would put the pressure on? There's nobody. No, there's nobody. There's nobody that you say that you that you could call out right now and say, hey, I call on Miles Wood for example. Give me more. You're capable of it. I'll tell Give you me who. more. And if you do that, yeah. then I can feel better about this team's Stanley Cup chances. Anybody that doesn't wear the jersey number 29, 96, 8, or 13. Any of those guys. All of them. But truthfully, do I really expect that Lekkonen's going to come back and go on some crazy tear after breaking his neck? No, I don't. Do I anticipate that Jonathan Drouin is all of a sudden going to be, you know, a, a point-per-game guy? I mean, he's been, been terrific really, of been late. good lately. Been good really lately. good. But, I mean, we want to look at history here. It hasn't panned out. So, unless – Never played with McKinnon before. Well, he's not playing with him every day. Now, he's playing with him at the top line, and it's certainly been a boost because he's a top-six guy, yeah. low-risk, high-reward, and certainly it's been very rewarding mm-hmm. of late. But, I mean, do you think he's going to be able to give you much more than this hot streak now where he's about – Maybe two points a night. I mean, which obviously, if you could do that every night, that would be mm-hmm. a different story. But can he be a point per game guy? If he's playing on the top line, yeah. But is he doing enough if he's not playing with McKinnon to generate? I don't think so. So my answer to you is no, which is why I, I sit here and go, don't do something that you're going to sit in the summer and regret. And that's my biggest concern. I'm terrified that they – I heard somebody the other day, an insider, I want to say Chris Johnston, TSN, he, he, he floated the idea of Bo Byram in a first-round pick for Lindholm as a rental. Whew. I might stop watching them play. Yeah, that's, that's I might steep. stop watching them for play. For a rental, that is, that is steep. So that's where we're at here. Yeah. It's like first-round pick and a Byram? Yeah. Because nobody wants their prospect pool. Nobody wants their – why do you think the Avs don't have better younger players coming up now? Because they don't have a prospect pool. They've used it to acquire some of this talent. So now you're in a situation where am I really going to fire my last bullet – that I have this summer, because this summer is the time when you can correct the Johansson move. You can you can move on from Johansson this summer, slap a draft pick on him, doesn't have to be a first, and you can move on from that because he is effectively cost-controlled at only half of his salary in Nashville now. I would be stunned if they're able to do it at the deadline this year. I'll tell you this. The only way that I would make moves at the deadline that would be significant this year is if I were offloading players first. If you don't offload and you just add – that's a failure. It's a failure. Who, Again. Who, who would you be targeting to offload? Johansson. I would be looking at Gerard. You're talking about $5 million yeah. for your third pair defenseman. Yeah. I don't care how much you like the guy. I really don't. I mean, he makes me want to stick my head in the toilet and scream when I watch him play sometimes. He's a nice kid. Good part of the locker room. I just got to tell you, so many blunders that he doesn't make up for on the offensive end. And look, if you sit down with, with real hockey people, 
they agree with you in that regard. So you got money tied into guys who, first of all, are just being paid too much compared to what you need. And remember, folks, you got to pay Miko Rantanen. William Nylander for the Maple Leafs just got 11 and a half over nine years. Miko's number's going up. Salary cap may be going up, but so is Miko's number. So now you got to have space for that, too, in addition to everything. So you need to clear and get rid of some of these mistakes. They already got rid of a mistake in Tatar. So don't think that they aren't cognizant right. that they can just, you know, say, uh-oh, got that one wrong and move on. Problem is, Johansson's a tough one to move on from because I don't know who wants a guy who's ready for the glue factory. So I wouldn't. We're, we're at the same point right now, halfway through the season that we were at the beginning. Still have the question about solving that second-line center issue and is the supporting cast good enough? And 41 games into it, we're still wondering. Not just at the beginning, but we were at the same point we were last year. I remember sitting there in our war room, you know, beginning of the season, talking about I'm okay with Alex Newhook starting the year as second-line center because you can make those moves at the deadline. Right. They didn't make they the didn't moves make at the, the moves. deadline. Right. And that was their fault. Yep. Nobody else can wear that but them. And they screwed up. Even if Nachushkin got her, I'm telling you, it would have been a different story had you made the requisite moves at the deadline last year instead of thinking you had enough in the building. That's where I think that they are going to fall into a trap. Now, like I said, my only concern is either you make a desperate move or you do nothing and think you already have it covered. Either And both would be arrogant to be 100% honest with you. So I think you recognize that you screwed up this offseason, you screwed up at the deadline last year, and they did. There's no sugarcoating that. I think they did a great job in 22. They botched it, it, it this offseason and at last deadline, and now they're in a situation where now you reap what you sow. So you either make a desperation move where even if you bring in a Lindholm, still not enough. You still need production at other places. You still need some other skill sets. Or you wait till this offseason – figure out what the hell's going on with your captain, one of your major contracts, and then, okay, now let's work on getting the train back on the tracks towards competing for championships the next several years instead of just trying to do it this year and, and solve some of the sins we've made over the last 12 months. All right. Second half of the season coming your way. Sorry. You know me. I'll, I'll give it to you straight. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what unfolds. But uh, always love chopping it up with you, Matt Smith. Good time, buddy. And uh, we'll do that again. But this will uh, wrap it up for today's uh, edition of the Mile High Hockey Podcast presented by Fort Comfort Gutters. Your comfort, our priority. We'll talk to you later on in the week.